You are listening to You've Got Five Options show, where every week Marta and Anna abandon their five children, two partners, and one cat to make a show especially for you. An artist, a challenge, a bullshit, a wisdom, and a surprise. Tune in and feel the magic of five. Hello, everyone. This is Marta. And this is Sine. And this is You've Got Five Options show. So, guys, as you can hear, Anna is not Sine. Sine is not Anna. Anna ain't here. <laughs> We <laughs> clarified yes. that. Yes. And I asked Sine to join me uh, on today's show to be uh, a co-host alongside me. Anna is not going to join the next show either, but the one in two weeks Anna will join. So you will get to hear Anna. I promise you that even if I have to go to violent drag her over or I'll just ask uh, Dave to. I have experience in doing that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. well, so two shows where you'll hear me and Sina. And to be honest, guys, we were supposed to have a guest today. Yes. And we were supposed to mm -hmm. talk to Claudia Kalisa, one of the uh, guests that was here or actually in the old studio still. It was long ago when we had uh, Claudia on the show. She went to Uganda and she was going to come here and talk to us about her experience. And we had killer interview prepared. But unfortunately, Claudia could not come. I hope everything is fine. Because she just needed to cancel in the last moment. So fingers crossed for Claudia from our side. And uh, yes, as it is on the radio, sometimes you need to wing it. Mm. And sometimes you need to bring it. And uh, what I have decided to bring was a topic I am fascinated with, passionate about, something that I have been really into recently. And I asked Sina if... She could kindly interview me about it. <laughs> yes. And we have done a little bit on your sister uh, podcast, uh, Small Business Rising Around Community, that kind of led up to, um, or is a good show to listen to also uh, regarding this topic. Yes, because the topic we are bringing is evolutionary organizations or reinventing organizations. Today's show is based mainly on a book from Frederick Laloux called Reinventing Organization. Uh, I read both of his book. One uh, is a thicker uh, study and the other one that I have with me today is an illustrated version. Really cool, nice, easygoing read that I have received from Anna. So at least uh, a little, it, it feels like Anna is with us at least a little bit. She is, yes. very much. So, yes, that's the topic we are going to dive into. And it's a completely new way in looking at organizations. It's a leap in human approach to building organizations. So stay tuned. There is something really, really great to discover in this approach. There's something new to learn today. And 
Do you want to start? Well, Are you ready? I'm ready. You're ready. Great. Then before we dive in fully, um, let's talk about the way that we run organizations. Like that is like why is the desire to bring this up? Like why do why do you want to bring this topic to the world? Well, definitely there is some of my personal history. I was working for the same organization for uh, almost 10 years previously. And uh, at the end of my uh, work there, I was feeling as if something was missing. I could not define it. I could not say what it is that is off because it's not like much changed. It was still the same organization, still with the same objective of bringing green energy to the world. <coughs> Yet I was feeling there is something off. There is something missing. And I think that um, this book has really uh, get given me the answers, has really defined what was missing for me personally, put it into words. And the way it proposes to solve that dilemma is for me, it resonates with me a lot. And I see, yeah, I see it as that's the that's the path the world is going towards, hopefully. We hope so. Yes. So the way that we run organizations, I know that that is kind of, as I've understood it, I've not read the book. I've watched him, uh, his speech on YouTube a couple of times just to have some sort of, of information about what is this book about and I can definitely recommend that as a beginning it it's it gives you some great keynotes so the way that we run organizations do you want to enlighten us a little bit about what he yeah. says about that yes so in 2013 Gallup poll showed that only about 13 percent of employees are engaged in their work 63 percent are not engaged and 24% are actively de disengaged in their work. Okay, can we, because when I read that, I was like, are you kidding me? Is that actually the case? That's a lot. Yes, <clears throat> that's very, very high numbers. And definitely, you know, as when we talk about statistics, for sure, there will be organizations where there is a much higher level of people that mm -hmm. are engaged and others where there will be really this very, very low level of people that are disengaged or very high level of people who are disengaged. So for sure, it will it will differ from one organization to another. But having the average number of only around 13% of people who are actively engaged in their work, that's low. That's low. So something really must be broken in the way we run organizations. Yeah, and it sounds... Yeah. It sounds very low. Yeah. And um, many people talk about corporations and many people talk about oh, corporations are the one that are, you know, known as, um, for example, in academia, people talk, you know, about selling your soul when you go to corporations. But actually, Frederick in his book says, and that's a quote from his book, it's not just the corporate world that is broken. Corporations get much of the blame these days for their greed and their remorseless quest for more profits and growth. But the managerial breakdown affects all types of organizations. 
From all we know, despite their noble purpose, non-profits don't make better employers, nor the government agencies. Nurses leave hospitals in droves because we've turned hospitals into soulless factories. And teachers desert their field of vocation in massive numbers because, because we have come to worship a cold, mechanical approach to teaching that fails to nourish the souls of either teachers or students. That even people who have chosen their work out of deep sense of vocation walk out disillusioned has much to say about how deeply dispiriting our management approaches have become. So I just wanted to read it wow. out. It's not only about corporations. It's also about those areas which I consider as areas of high vocation because I was, I think, one of the pains I've had for many years when I was on my quest of what am I supposed to do with my life was like, oh, at least if I was like a doctor or a teacher and I could have one of these noble, you know, vocations, yeah. uh, then I would be doing something really worthwhile for the earth. But I could have ended up in one of those organizations that kills the spirit. Let's, uh, let's put it this way. And I know that we'll come back to, you'll give us an example later of this type of organization where we'll touch upon this topic again. But before that, can you give us like just a short history of organizations and, and why are we at what many, not just you, but also Frederick Lalu and others call a broken system? Yes. So, well, the history of organization, the way I have read it in Frederick's book, I found it really, really interesting the way he laid it out. He said like the first level of organizations that people have established, he uh, it's uh, is uh, is described as red organizations. And the metaphor that comes with red organizations is like wolf packs. And the archetype is like mafia, street gang, and the glue in the is the fear that the chief inspires. So that were the first organizations that people started to form. And um, we may now have like a bad taste thinking about this kind of organizations, but these organizations long time ago, they still brought two big breakthroughs for humans. And one was division of labor and the other one was top down authority. Right now we are not keen on these uh, kinds of approaches, or some of us are not keen on these kinds of approaches, apparently mafias still are. But uh, that these are two breakthroughs that red organizations have brought to us. But one important thing is that as we will be uh, looking into those different colored organizations is You know, this is just some high level way of putting uh, organizations into boxes. Of course, there is no organization that is entirely one color. They come in different shades, of course. But that was the, the, the first level of organization. The next organization, the next leap in human history, in human organizational history, were amber organizations. And the archetype here are army, Catholic church, public school system. And the good stuff that comes with these uh, organizations is the stability and certainty. And the breakthroughs is that those organizations, they brought replicable processes and stable organizational charts. 
And that's really good. That has brought something, some stability. You were able to join the organization and you could see your entire life working there. And you, this, this stability and certainty, that's something that many people have uh, valued. But what comes with the shadow of Amber, Amber organizations is there is one right way of doing things. So if you don't fit exactly into this one mold, you're not going to find yourself necessarily very happy. And it was very hierarchical. We can still compare the Catholic Church the way it is run today. Uh, so it's, it's uh, still run in this way where it's only for selected people that you can be, uh, you can yeah. go to the top. A regular person would not usually be capable of uh, climbing the ladder. It would still be some aristocracies and some very special people. For the few. Yes, yeah, still for the few. So the next leap in human organizational history were orange organizations, and these are achievement organizations. And this is ones that we know very well from our world right now, because this is what the whole scientific and industrial evolution has brought about. And the archetype here is publicly listed corporations, Wall Street banks, and it really shapes today's management practices. And the metaphor here is that organization works as a machine. So we use all that engineering jargon. We are designing stuff. People are resources and uh, so on. We are really trying to make the whole machine work better. So we are in this continuous improvement. And those organizations made some significant breakthroughs. First of all, innovation. So we started to innovate and started to bring more and more technology to many more people. And accountability as well as meritocracy. And that means that anyone can climb the ladder as principal. So that was a big breakthrough. You could be the regular Joe that is just delivering uh, packages in the company starting uh, this way, and you could climb up all the way to become a CEO. So that was definitely great breakthroughs that were brought about by Orange organizations. But the shadow is, if you can call it this way, innovation gone mad, which means is this uh, increasingly creating needs and more possessions and latest fashions, the predatory economy and the place where success is measured in money and recognition. So we are all the time talking about targets and numbers and milestones and deadlines. So there's like more is more. Yes. Yeah. All the time about more, more is more. And what describes this kind of organization, people, you know, enter the organization and they try to climb the ladder and then they find themselves in uh, many different scenarios, but two of them more common. One of them like, okay, I made it to the top. And that's not what I was looking for or seeing I'm actually never going to make it to the top, uh, kind of like I reach my own top. And what is the meaning in it? People are yeah. disillusioned. They, they are like, oh, my God, what's the meaning in it? Like this, I thought this was success and something is missing. Something is lacking. Yes. And that's uh, that's something that I believe I reached at some point in my life. Because you did feel, as I've understood it, satisfaction from your old work. Yes, for many point. years. Yeah. Yes, for for many years. And then at some point I started to really like, what's the meaning in it? Like, is that really it? 
Is that what I'm supposed to be doing? And what's the meaning in it? What's the higher purpose? And so like, on. Do you know exactly what it was that you questioned? I think that there were like there were many things that I questioned when I was in that uh, place. But I think the most important thing for me was what's the meaning? The meaning. Yeah, the meaning. Yes. And um, then, you know, of course, humans, when something doesn't really work for us, of course, we go for the next leap. And the next leap was or is, because that's also something that we know in the world right now, is green uh, organizations or pluralistic organizations. And here the new metaphor is organizations as families and communities. And the breakthrough that those organizations have brought was empowerment, value-driven culture, stakeholder value. And uh, that was like a direct response to this, okay, what's the meaning, what's the value in it, and, and this lack of community uh, that, uh, that characterizes orange organizations. So the green organizations, they, they, they give you that sense of community, they really look into the value, what is the value that we are bringing to the world. But yeah, that there's like, you're not just a part of a machine that yes. could be replaced by anyone. Yes, Yes, correct. However, the problem that comes around or the shadow that comes around with the green organizations is that they aspire to be egalitarian and consensus seeking, by the, but they still run on the pyramid hierarchical, um, hierarchical uh, management structure. So they find themselves in this situation, okay, we want to do it together and want to have a consensus. So do we try to look for consensus where everyone agrees? Or is it the boss that decides at the end? Or is it some combination of both? And uh, they have gone far in, um, in making the uh, workplaces being much more meaningful and value-based, but they often uh, face the shadow of um, organizational paralysis where they are not able to take decisions, they are not able to move on, or it takes way too much time to be able to to reach that. So as I mentioned before, uh, it's not like necessarily one organization is totally orange or totally green. Uh, I actually do believe uh, that... Um, I know organizations that have a mix, have a mix of both. Hopefully not much of the red organization anymore, not uh, too many of the wolves that uh, want to lead the pack, uh, regardless of the, uh, of the price. However, we are on the edge of something new. So we needed a new color, and that color is teal, which is a beautiful color. And the type of organization that are brought about are teal or evolutionary organizations. Yes, and I think it's so great to kind of have an overview before we dive into that to know like what has come before and that all of it has had a purpose or th there was a meaning to that and it has served so many people on the way and, and, and to s have it explained in that way to see both how far we've come and and the what need it has served like all of those different types of organizations and what is it leading up to today and with the teal organizations so should we dive into that absolutely will you give us an overview of what a teal or evolutionary organization is 
I think that the best way to bring it about is by bringing a story. We love stories. Yes. And um, Frederick, he brings uh, great stories into his book and into his speeches on the YouTube. And of course, there is uh, this company that uh, that he, I think he speaks most about that company. I don't know why, because there are other great companies uh, mentioned in the book, uh, too. But I think it's a really good flag, uh, flag story. And the company is called Burtorg. And uh, this is a company that is based in Holland, and it's a neighborhood, neighborhood nursing uh, company. So what has happened in, uh, in the Netherlands is that in the 80s, the government started to get an idea that uh, nurse organizations can be run better. So they started to go into that machine uh, kind of approach uh, where they started to look into the costs and flexibility and went through continuous improvement and wanted to get as much work done as possible. So they created a separate department that would be planning nurses. They have timed nurses, how much time they are taking with each patient and how much they could decrease that time. And they ended up in the situation where a planning department would be sending off different nurse to the same patient. So every day there would be someone and they would have precisely five minutes to arrive from one house to the other and precisely 10 minutes to do this and that. So everything was run like a machine and they were just continuously looking into improving that, continuously looking into taking less time and saving more money. Yes, the efficiency. The efficiency, yes. So... The problem that came out of it was that everyone hated it. Both the patients who, you know, you're a sick person at home and you get a new person coming every time that doesn't really know your history well and doesn't know what it is that you need. And the nurses hated it as well because they did not start working to be a um, <laughs> triggers in machine that do their work as fast as possible. They actually felt that they would like to connect with people more instead of less. So there was this cool nurse, Jos de Bloch, who in 2006 has created Burtzorg, which is basically a neighborhood nursing company. So he just started this initiative himself with a few other nurses where he, um, yeah, where he just uh, I think they started with six nurses, if I am not, um, if I am not wrong. And uh, the first thing that they started to do was that when a nurse arrives in uh, at the patient's house is that they sit down together and they drink a cup of coffee or tea to establish that connection and to really find out what is it that the patient needs. And over the time, nurses started to flee the other governmental organizations to uh, Burtzorg. And uh, at the point where the book is written, which I think is a few years ago already in 2016, uh, Burtzorg already had 9,000 nurses and was running the two-thirds of the neighborhood nurse nursing business in the Netherlands. So they have taken the market, <laughs> if you can call it, by storm. And what is the most amazing thing about this company? You have 9,000 people. There is no leaders. 
there are no leaders that are leading the nurse teams and there are no managers that are leading those leaders. So the nurses are organized in groups of 10 to 12 self-leading uh, groups and uh, they are having their own district where, where they organize their work all themselves, all the way from planning to execution. They just do it themselves. And what is the most amazing thing, they just arrive at the patients and they sit and have uh, coffee or tea with the patients, yet they have saved 40% of the hours prescribed by the doctor. They continue to deliver millions of savings for the Dutch government because what is their principle is to empower the patients. So they spend the time finding out how the patients can get the most autonomous uh, as possible. So instead of being as fast as possible with each patient, they actually go there, spend the time, they really see into what it is that the patient needs. They do things like get the neighbors uh, to know the patient or establish better communication with the family. And uh, patients need much less hours at the end of the day because they start becoming more autonomous. They start taking care of themselves. I think that's well, first of all, it's uh, incredibly beautiful and it sounds utopian when you hear about it the first time. Yet the paradox in it that he also brings up in uh, in his speech, uh, this and which I I'll see how to narrow it down because it's such a huge topic. And I feel like it's we can talk about that in many cases, but this paradox of yeah, you you might save the time or be efficient right here, right now, but the costs are massive in, in the long run. And this actually taking the time, save you time later. Yes. So, yeah, yeah it's just a personal. <laughs> yeah. It's um, because I've, I've personally worked in, in you know, with um, elder people in that way. And, and my mom... Uh, worked with it for 30 years and exactly that system that he describes where you know she would have to in the end check in and check out um, like when when you treat people as machines and and then it's just so beautiful to hear how it actually that it's not just a utopian thought also the numbers add up yes so so that was just to introduce the concept uh, through the um, through the example. Yeah, because you let's go on to the principles of this, unless there's something you no, touch no, upon it's, before. It's, it's good. So uh, because you touched upon this, the the autonomy, the self management. Yes, a little that's, bit. That's precisely so, uh, Frederick. He. Um, he, he knew that there is something new coming. So he started to look for these kind of organizations. And what he found out was that not that there is one like pioneer organization that is bringing about this new way of managing. So Borzorg is not just one organization that, you know, that succeeded and now everyone can just copy the way they do it. There are actually many companies that are running this way. Yeah, because he discovered that a new thing was a, that it wasn't just in one place, it was many places, as I've understood it. Yeah, that so it started yeah. to come. He started to look for these companies and then interview those companies to find out what was it that they had in common. 
And what he found out was three principles. First of them was the self-management, meaning that there are no managers, leaders, bosses. Usually companies have a CEO who is the face of the company and is some form of like the keeper <laughs> of the principles of the company, but it is not someone who takes all the decisions and tells everyone else what to do. People are empowered to do it themselves. So that's the first principle. The second principle is wholeness. We are accepting people as they are. Can you dive into that a little bit more? Like, what does that mean? And, and how is that different? Yeah, we will go. We will, we will go, go into that. Uh, I'm being impatient. <laughs> we'll go there. <laughs> yes. Just wanted to bring the three principles. Yes. And the third principle is evolutionary purpose. And evolutionary purpose is more than just a noble purpose. And we will dive into that as well. You answered my question. Yes. Yes. So what I wanted to bring about is that these three principles, you know, self-management, wholeness and evolutionary uh, purpose is not something that we have now g given you an example of nurses working together. I just wanted to let you know that it works uh, as well in manufacturing. There is a company called Sun Hydraulics, which is manufacturing valves and manifolds uh, globally, and it has 900 employees. And uh, there is also, for example, Morningstar, which is tomato harvesting, transporting and processing company in California. Uh, it also works uh, for companies like, for example, Favi which is a brass foundry. It works in schools. Uh, there is uh, a syst publicly financed uh, school system in Germany for 1,500 teacher, which is called ESBZ. But it works, uh, yeah, it works basically in IT. It works in publishing companies. There is a company called Sounds True. And uh, it can be, uh, he, was to, he was bringing companies that employ at least 100 people, but all the way up to AES, which is Global Producer, producer and Distributor of Electricity, which at, in 2001 had 40,000 employees worldwide. And it bo works both for for-profit and non-profit companies. So I just wanted, before we dive into these things, just wanted to let you know that it works in different industries, in different types of of businesses. Yeah, because you could make the assumption that it is uh, only in, well, everything involves people, but in, in nursery is can be seen as a more soft industry in some way. So... I think it's great with examples from all industries. Yes. And uh, now let's dive into the principles because, of course, the principles are what's interesting here because they are kind of like bringing you the solution, uh, bringing you the new fu fundamental ways of, um, of making uh, organizations run. So what is interesting, if you imagine 9,000 people which are in one company, and they don't have any leaders and they don't have any managers. They don't have people who are taking decisions. You are like, okay. So in green organizations, 
they had one of the biggest uh, issues was to take decisions. So how do you take decisions? And that's what the evolutionary organizations, I found it as one of the coolest ways of dealing with self-management. Any employee in the company can make a decision. They just need to follow uh, the process where they need to consult the people who will be impacted by the decision and they need to consult some um some specialists. So if you want to take a decision regarding regarding IT, you need to consult the users that will be impacted by the IT solution and you need to consult the specialists in IT and maybe someone who knows about the finances so that you can um, so that you can um, make that decision. And when you do, you are empowered to take that decision. And that just blows my mind because one of the biggest issues in bigger companies is how difficult it is for a regular employee to, when they have an idea, to implement that idea because the level of uh, decision-making uh, levels, layers. Yeah, you have experience in yeah. that. I've not tried to, to work in, like, in a huge company like that. Yeah. In that sense. And having this place where any uh, employee can make that decision and of course it goes along with the other uh, with the other principles as uh, wholeness and evolutionary uh, uh, evolutionary principle but when it comes to wholeness what this principle is about is that we are I think one of the things that was that became very apparent for me when working in a more traditionally um, managed organization is that you are you, there are certain expectations for you and you need to act professionally and you need to it, it's like many people are taking upon some roles and definitely I did. I de definitely valued highly being professional and positively uh, to have a positive mindset. And even if the things were not working or things that I didn't like or if I was going through a hard time, it does that didn't really matter that much. You should always appear, you know, professional and just get your job done. Whereas in an evolutionary organization, we take under consideration the wholeness that we as humans, if we are going through a divorce, we cannot just leave it outside, um, outside the door when we enter to the company. That's still something that impacts us. We might need to get some time off. And, uh, and that's something that we can see in Denmark, for example, as even in the uh, organizations which are more orange-green, we, we see those parts of being more but in some countries it's like it doesn't matter you know you are you are you're you're still expected to be uh, delivering full uh, full blown you know yeah you have you to leave that at the door when you enter yes to the yes. workplace and uh, working place is a safe space so no matter what you're going through this is a soft space uh, it, this is a safe space and this is a space where we are working with parking our egos because that's one of the things. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things that is so much about, um, about the wholeness. So when we talk about meetings and when we take a meeting in, uh, in an organization, it will tell you a lot about, you know, what are the principles uh, in, this, um, in this organization. So in evolutionary organizations, they do not want egos, our ego 
who's winning and, you know, who gets more out, who gets his or her point across in that meeting. They want what's best for the organization. And uh, they, for example, choose one person that will be holding for the meeting. And this person might, for example, ring a bell every time they see that someone is speaking from the place of ego, from the place of wow. wanting that personal win. Or that is really some, interesting. Yeah? yeah. And then everyone just takes a breather. And that's very, very interesting because definitely imagine that we were encourage in everyday life to step outside of the ego and step outside of this, you know, what a personal achievement and recognition and success and money and so on, and really take a step back and look into what is it that we, what is the purpose here? What is it that is the best? Yeah, and actually to work in that space, but also it's, it's really nice to hear some examples on what does it look like? Because we can like often we can talk about these uh, philosophies or these huge words, which sounds nice and like an ideal way of being in the world. And what does it actually look like? How do we, um, uh, what is that word I'm looking for? You know, how do we um, internalize them? How do we apply them yeah. in our everyday life? Yeah, and that's something that is uh, that is brought to such amazing examples in the book. And for example, evaluations uh, in in a traditionally oh yeah <laughs> in a traditionally based uh, company, when you have your yearly evaluation, and on based on that will be maybe reevaluated how much you earn. Maybe you can uh, achieve some advancement in your career. You sit down and many people are nervous and you get that feedback from uh, from someone that is sitting across from you. In some of these evolutionary organizations, the, you make your own evaluation uh, and you write a letter uh, where you yourself uh, decide how much raise of salary. Basically, first of all, you in some of these organizations, it's really you who decide how much you earn. So you set up your own salary and in some it is more like a collegial uh, kind of uh, decision where uh, based on how you believe what you brought to the organization in the last year, you make this motivation letter and then collegial collegially together we then say okay you you want a 10% but we think you actually did a great job we'll give you 15 uh, or something like that but the evaluations they are done you are looking at yourself uh, and evolu uh, evaluation is happening all the way through the year anyway so you have that constant uh, open dialogue where people feel safe and they are capable of talking about difficult topics uh, as they come and not in these special, scary conversations that are designed at specific times. And there are many examples. Working hours, you're fully flexible to design your working hours and there is full flexibility. You're the one who is doing your job description. And yeah, many examples of the wholeness. Yeah. Sounds good. And he, I just, what um, also spoke to me was this way he was talking about this, um, you know, the pyramid in other organizations and how, 
that it can't hold flexibility. Like it can hold up to a certain point, but then it can't like hold the flexibility. And this often maybe one person, like the responsibility of, of that person and that it's simply too much. And probably also what we, we all know someone who has uh, experience with stress or burnout in, in one way or the, the other. Um, and it, it seems like this new way uh, could um, minimize that. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's definitely looking into creating conditions where people are not burning out because there is no reason to burn out. And if there are some other circumstances in your life that are difficult, there is space for it where you're working because the wholeness is, uh, yeah, is a high value. And then there is the third uh, principle, which is... Uh, which is the evolutionary purpose. And um, there are many organizations that have a purpose, of course. And um, it's a little bit, maybe we can bring it this way. It brings it all together because evolutionary purpose could be more compared to an ecosystem. So when you have an ecosystem or when you look at the brain with all the millions of cells, you don't have one uh, management <laughs> or, I don't know, team uh, that is telling every cell what to do. <laughs> or in the ecosystem, there is not a specific plant that uh, tells all the other plants how to live or animal or something like that. It has its like self, um, it's it self, uh, I, now I'm missing the word. I know the word you're looking for, but, and I can't find it. I just really love that way of, of looking at it. The, and, and what it also seems to in many ways that we are being called back to nature, to look to nature yeah, um, for so, solutions. Yeah, so purpose is one thing, having a common purpose because yes. the, Organizations are forming around common purpose. But the other thing is the evolutionary. And the evolutionary is that the TIL organizations do not have long-term strategies and tactics, but they are actually looking at where organization naturally wants to go. And that's the evolutionary. It's all the time feeling into where the organization naturally will go. So just to give you an example, there was an initiative in Burtzorg where some nurses in one of the districts, they discovered that uh, one of the main reasons why patients uh, go to hospital is because of broken hips. So they implemented, uh, uh, they found out how they can um, tell their patients how to move around so that they do not fall down and break their hips. And they found a really good solution for it. And in their district, the number of uh, patients who get broken hips, legs, knees and so on dropped down significantly. So those nurses, they uh, came to uh, yes <laughs> and told him about it. 
and in an, an no, in a traditional organization, then that CEO would then take a decision. Yes, that's our strategy. We are now rolling it out to all the districts and so on. In evolutionary purpose, what the CEO in this kind of situation says is, hey, write a good story about what happened and put it out there, communicate it into the organization and whichever district will catch that on they will just implement it there. So this is how that kind of organization evolves. Vast majority just catch on and then they are self-motivated to implement it because I think everyone who works in a larger organization will know about change management and how difficult change management is, how much resistance there is, where someone comes up with an idea and tells you that you have to do it and that's the way you have to do it and that's the deadline by war when you have to do it and so on. Change management is a whole discipline that uh, needs to be managed in a traditionally uh, managed organization. Whereas in evolutionary purpose, where something like that is told as a story which you are free to take upon, you are self-motivated to implement it. So that's, I think, that that just gives you a good, um, like an example of how this evolutionary purpose works. Yeah. Yeah, because, for example, if we look at the purpose of Burtork, what is the purpose? So the purpose yeah, is... Yeah, because it can sound very, you know, uh, airy-fairy in some way, to some. Yeah. And, like, what does it look like? So in Burtork, I read that it's uh, for patients to live rich and autonomous lives. So that's kind of like this purpose or the goal of the company. And what's ma what makes it evolutionary purpose is that in this company, they do not protect it as their formula and as there's something that they don't want the, other, the others to discover because that's what gives them the competitive advantage. Yes, actually communicates it to everyone who will want to listen about it. He wrote a book about how they are running the organization. He goes to other organizations and uh, tells them how they can uh, implement the, uh, the principles of TEAL. So when you have this higher evolutionary purpose, it's not you're not looking into you yourself having 80% of the market share. You're looking at the world to evolution, <laughs> evolute. What is the... To evolve, evolve. evolve. Yes, <laughs> congratulations, Marta, uh, to this direction. It's kind of like the beehive, you know, working together and, and that each organization is not working against each, each other, like, but for each other. It seems like we sometimes forget that in the world. Yeah. Um, that we are not working against each other. So, um, but I, I really love this way of, that he also put it like the the beginning of how you looked at it as a machine business or organization and then moving into looking more of it as a family and then oh coming back to nature as a way of looking at organizations yeah and what i love so much about it is that yeah because i'm like what is the this like why is it that is so big on your heart like yeah that it works this <laughs> that it works. <laughs> yeah, that they're so like when you uh, when you read through the book, and you you simply find out that it works in organizations, and you know, like everything, it's not for everyone. If you're thriving in a orange, uh, I don't know, amber 
Did we skip Amber Organ? No, we no, didn't no. talk about Yeah, We did talk if about that. If you thrive in that organization, of course, then there is no problem or g- green organization. Uh, it's great. But all these people who feel disillusioned, all these people who feel something is missing, some meaning is not there. Uh, teal organizations, uh, evolutionary organizations are something definitely to look forward to. And what I mean that it works is that it brings results that we are looking into so much in the world, like this thing of self, uh, uh, saving millions of uh, dollars or euros for the government and taking the th- two thirds of the market that it when you look at it from this perspective, you're successful, but it's not the it's not that what is driving the organization. No. It just happens organically because it works. The organization is constantly filling into what works and what people want. So if they are const- if Berterk is constantly looking into what patients want and what nurses want, it is organically moving in that direction, and more and more people are applying for these jobs. So it's like hundreds of applications every month of the nurses wanting to join since 2006 because that's naturally bringing, that, that, that's responding to the, what the world needs right now. There is some that's sort evolution. of longing. Yeah. And there's also, um, well, sustainability is something that you can't like hear about a new startup business, for instance, without the word sustainability. Um And it seemed like for a long time it only focused on the environment, but it feels like more and more are also talking about or understanding that if it doesn't involve us as human beings, there's no sustainability so that there's also social um, um, sustainability. And to me that also sounds as what this is about in a way. So... The time is, well, we still have some good 10 minutes left of the show, but I wanted to ask you if there's like, we've we've touched upon uh, what this organization is and these new ideas. So what if you're listening to the show and you're sitting in, you know, not necessarily only like a big uh, organization, it could also be a small, but you you have a desire for something else, but you're not at the teal organization yet. Do you have some sort of advice or to go about it or a way to start? Yeah, well, that's uh, that's a very good point, uh, Sina, that you are bringing there, because, of course, I was like, I want to work in a teal organization. How do I apply? You know, I where is it? <laughs> yeah, I, I can't really apply apply to Borzorg as a nurse. I don't necessarily have, uh, you know, uh, uh, competencies. And of course, there there are a few organizations uh, here uh, but the thing is that it needs to be the purpose, right? Yes. <laughs> Organi- teal organizations, they, uh, they, you come there based on the common purpose. So, so far I have not uh, encountered the teal organization on my path. Maybe I will one day. Uh, maybe I will create it myself. And uh, yeah, let's see how, how that so. goes <laughs> in, uh, in, in the future. But I was thinking about it because 
this topic has been coming around and especially the purpose part has been for me. So I started this journey with a Simon Sinek's approach uh, who talks a lot about finding your why or starting with why. He talks about the in order to bring that meaningfulness for people in the organization, the purpose of the organization and personal purpose, they need to be aligned. So that's one approach. That's something that almost any organization can look into, into what's actually the purpose of this organization, putting it into words, and uh, then every person can relate to that purpose or not. Then uh, also the newest study around motivation uh, speaks about that people, uh, in order to be motivated, now the people in 21st century, they need autonomy mastery and purpose. These are these three principles of motivation that are here right now. So we can start moving towards giving more autonomy to people. We can look into the mastery. What is it that we really love doing? What is this things that we are doing that bring us the level of flow where when we are doing it we forget about eating and pooping and all that stuff you know and bringing doing that stuff and becoming better and better in it that mastery and purpose again so what i started to notice is there is really something around that purpose which uh, which is for me and uh, and i think having clarity on what's your personal purpose and having clarity on what's the organization purpose that's definitely something where you can start in any type of organization so that I would say that I also wanted to bring the book that you actually gave me to read Sina (laughs) (laughs) yes which is uh, Braving the Wilderness and this is the book written by Brene Brown yes and that's something where no matter where you are and even if you are an entrepreneur who has or self-employed person whose organization is just one person's organization that's something that you can do for yourself and one part that i've been like personally researching researching deeply was the purpose part and i'm deep into that and reading many books about it and seeing how to work with that the other part is belonging That part where we humans are biologically wired to belong somewhere. And that's the response from Brene, how to create that sense of belonging. And in order to belong in a group, first of all, you need to find a way to belong with yourself. And second of all, you need... Yeah. Second of all, you need some sense of safety or some sense of trust. Okay, so there is something that builds upon what we already like the the safety that the old ways of of building uh, organizations like this creating some safety well maybe or how do you see it i see it maybe let's let's move away a little bit from safety because safety can be confusing someone can find yeah. uh, getting a paycheck uh, every month yes. as the safety uh just to clarify yeah, yeah. Uh, as a sufficient level of safety so, so safety is a little bit maybe uh, a tricky word let's put trust trust so in order to uh, in order to belong with yourself or belong with the group you need some level of trust so self trust and then trusting yes. yes and that's where i like it because that is also linked with confidence 
So you need some level of confidence and con confidence comes from con, which is with and fidence, which is trust with trust. Yeah. So if you so it all goes down to trust and trust goes through uh, through confidence. What I like about what Brene brings, she used this word braving and uh, and that's the principles that uh, she built on the acronym of the word braving in order to bring that level of uh, trust and belonging to a higher level. And B stands for boundaries, where you respect my boundaries. And when you're not clear about what's okay and not okay, you ask and you're willing to say no. The second is R, which stands for reliability. You do what you say you'll do. And this means staying aware of your competencies and limitations. So you don't overpromise and are able to deliver on commitments and balance uh, competing priorities. A from Braving stands for accountability. You own your mistakes, apologize and make amends. And then V which is Vault, you don't share information or experiences that are not yours to share. I need to know that my confidences are kept and that you're not sharing with me any information about other people that should be confidential. I stands for integrity. You choose courage over comfort. You choose what is right over what is fun, fast or easy. And you choose to practice your values rather than simply professing them. Non-judgment. I can ask for what I need and you can ask for what you need. We can ask about how we feel without judgment. And generosity. You extend the most generous interpretation possible to the intentions, words and actions of others. Yes, I'm so glad that you brought that along. And I love that book too. Because this is... I feel it's a great answer and response to the question because we we bring ourselves wherever we go, right? So to start with that and also this is a very hands-on way to begin to to have a new conversation both with ourselves but also in a company. Yeah, because that's what I feel that that's where I believe I believe no matter where you are, if you are just doing your own business with yourself, if you're just working with one other person with a small team or in a large organization, when your boundaries are clear, when you are reliable and you do what you say you will do and you're accountable for your mistakes and uh, and you are able to take this accountability for what you do and you respect the value of vault and your integrity is high and there is non-judgment in what you do and then you're generous you are suspecting that people are doing stuff out of good intention rather than looking for blaming and uh, you know like how, why do they do that to me and stuff I feel that we can build much better organizations and teams and so on because, because uh, yeah, the TIL organization it says that it's not going to work uh, you cannot make it work in just one department in the company or just one team in the company. It has to all go along. Yeah. So that's a way to start with Brené. Because it also, um, it's a great way to, to look into your own ego and, and kind of remove that and look at yourself in a new way. So, yes. well, 
this is about the time that we have for today. Yes. I well, first of all, I'm so glad that I got to to interview you on this, to hear your thoughts on this and to for you to bring this to the world and really see both where um you're going to take this for yourself and follow this journey in the world. So everyone, the books that I was referring to will be in the show notes. You will find it all at the5options.com. Thank you, Sine, for co-hosting today. And thank you, everyone. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. You are listening to You've Got 5 Options radio show, where we hopefully convinced you that five indeed is a magic number. To catch up with our previous programs, apply to be our guest, send us your life challenge, or just to see how do we really look like, visit our website.